We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thank you very much for listening. We have our next style podcast today. Woo-hoo! And we got some beers in front of us here that we'll be testing out while we are doing this segment. I want to start off with apologies on the podcast issues we've been having. Uh, if you find my Twitter at Mike Lynch27, I'm direct uh, I'm tweeting a direct link to that podcast. Um, that you can listen to it, but it's not showing up on any of the various programs. It's not showing up on the website. It's a it's a website-wide problem that we're having right now, so we're not really sure when that's going to be fixed. But uh, if you missed the Lucky Lab takeover from last week, it is up. You can just find it on my Twitter, at MikeLynch27, with a very direct link that goes to it in a strange place. It's there, and hopefully in a day or two it will go to the correct spot. Or I can just re-upload it into the correct spot. But um, apologies for that if you are having trouble finding the podcast at this point. Uh, normally, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Radio.com, 1080TheFan.com, and Stitcher. And on our social medias, at MikeLynch27, Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram. And the station is at 1080TheFan on Twitter. We also tweet it out there as well. The good news is, is if it's not posted, that just means you might have a chance to listen to two back-to-back. Right, Exactly. And uh, it's this like is... it's like that uh, that mid season that mid season break that some TV shows like to do, <laughs> right? So it's like ah oh, no, or they make you skip a week, but then you get like a two hour episode instead of one. Just think of it like that. So that that's a great way to look at it. You'll have a little more to listen to when we do this. And this episode today specifically is going up a day early because I am leaving for Turks and Caicos on Wednesday fun. night for a wedding, and uh, very excited about that. Should be fun. My weekend so far has consisted of going to the mall and getting actual beach wedding clothes because I haven't really been to a beach wedding but my own. Yeah, what are beach wedding clothes? Uh, usually it's semi-formal light colors. So I got like you wearing a, pants or you got shorts. I'm wearing pants to the wedding, but I got a nice pair of light blue shorts that I'm going to wear to the other events that are there nice um but i got some khakis to the wedding and i got like a light colored pink or purple i can't remember exactly what it was shirt that will be kind of tropical beachy feeling hey that'll look nice and it's just kind of it's nice because you don't have to get all dressed up like crazy for a wedding it's just casual you know it's gone and i think for a lot of people who live in this city weddings are pretty casual anyway Mm -hmm. uh where i grew up weddings are super fancy like everyone dresses really nice guests dress really nice uh but weddings out here a little bit more casual but the beach one is like, it's casual, but you want to still look beachy at the same time. Oh, good. That good was for my you. weekend. Sounds great. And we tried Din Tai Fung, the dim sum place that's at Washington Square Mall. How's Apparently that? really famous. Yeah. Amazing. I like dim sum. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> and we only waited for 45 minutes versus the three hour waits that we've seen there before. So Yeah, that's not too bad. I like I, I feel so bad. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. It is Mother's Day. Yes. So shout out to all the mamas out Happy there. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, I saw some friends posting on social media. They were at some brunch spots and I was like, ooh, 
How long did you wait for that one? Yeah. I got some uh, really, hours and hours yeah, and really hours. Yeah, a really good friend of mine's at Tin Shed, and it's like, oh, gosh, I can't imagine how long that was. Any any of them, I was talking about this earlier today, any popular brunch place, I guarantee for the entirety of this morning into this afternoon is going to be three-hour wait. Yeah, Flat. absolute nightmare. And why would you want to bring mom to a three-hour wait? Oh, my mom wouldn't do it. I don't know. My mom wouldn't either. Yeah. Although she did do it for screen door once on a non-Mother's Day. We went there and it was a two-hour wait and she was like, I'm really waiting two hours. And I was like, you're going to love this place. It's really good. <laughs> and she did like it, but the wait was really, really long. Anyway, style of this podcast is a week late, but not a dollar short, Mexican lagers. Yeah. And we have in front of us four beers, one of them, which I recognize because I'm pretty sure we had that. We did have it recently, but I was looking through the store to try to find some good representations of some craft Mexican lagers. And yes. so I retreaded. It was good. We liked it. So we've got the uh, Tecate original. Figured I had to. That's a, that's a classic. We've got the Rubens Mexican lager, which we did in our tasting room episode a couple of weeks ago. We've got our Grains of Wrath Sin Fronteras, which is a Mexican lager. And then the Ex Novo, most interesting lager in the world, which is a Mexican lager. Yep. So that is our style of the podcast, and um, we'll just kind of sip through these. Patrick said he's done a lot of research on this style, so I will defer to him for most of this podcast to explain what we're drinking and why we're tasting certain things, and, uh, and yeah. Well, we had that fun story about uh, my buddy Todd yelling at me about uh, what makes Mexican lager. Corn! Yeah. It's corn! Corn and yeast! Yes. So I so I decided to use, use that opportunity to kind of like actually better learn myself is the words I'm going with today. All right. So uh, what are we going to start with? You want to start with the classic? The I think we start with Tecate. I okay. mean, it's there, there's a ton of Mexican lagers out there on the market. Um, you know, all different kinds of stuff, whether it's Corona, Pacifico, Dos Equis, Negro, Modelo, or just plain Modelo. Uh, but for some reason, I think Tecate is the more excited, the more, probably the more popular drink in this town. I would say of all the Mexican lagers I see at like dive bars, I think more people drink Tecate than any other Mexican lager. What? Uh, and I don't know why. What are it's the? Probably because it's cheap. What are the other classic Mexican lagers that are out there that you will normally see outside of Tecate? Well, yeah, like I was saying, like is you it have, Negro? You, yeah, you have Corona. Oh, were you saying that? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you have Corona, Pacifico, uh, Dos Equis. Um, oh, there was another one I was just thinking of. That I forgot. Oh, yeah. Modelo, Negro Modelo, which is actually probably closer to what an actual Mexican lager is. So, as you see, basically any beer they want to hand you with lime in it yeah. is most likely a Mexican okay. lager. Apologies. I was watching you pour the beer and not listening whatsoever that's, that's to what okay. you were saying. That's okay. Um, but yeah, this uh, I just took my first sip of this. I've actually never had Tecate before. Oh, really? Or not. Yeah. This is my first time having it. The only Mexican beers, uh, well, I shouldn't say the only. I've had them. I've had Corona before. With the lime stuck into the bottle. I've had Negro Modelo, the dark version, which I, I like a lot, mm -hmm. actually, at Mexican restaurants. I think Dos Equis is okay. I've had I've had the amber one. I don't think I've had their other one that they sell. Um, but the amber one, is it's fine. Uh, Negro Modelo is always the one I go to, first and foremost, because it's dark, which, right. is what I, which, which is what I like. But actually, on my first sip, this isn't that bad. Well, the Dos, it's pretty simple. The Dos Equis amber... And the Negro Modelo are actually probably some of the closer representations of what an actual Mexican lager is. It's kind of changed and evolved over the years into this, like, clean, crisp, low, fruity ester kind of chuggable summer like beer. One. Like a Tecate. And, and to be honest, like the packages of the craft breweries we have in front of us, I think what it is is Mexican lagers kind of 
created they 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 transformed in their style to be i think when you think of mexico you think of the beaches and you think of sun and hot days and something crisp and refreshing so i think that's where a lot of like craft mexican lager has gone to but i you know in in reading a bunch about this it actually a mexican lager is pretty similar to a vienna lager uh, apparently Vienna lagers were kind of getting out of style in Europe as the pale lagers were coming on. So after some famous war of independence in Mexico, a bunch of like Austrians and Germans went to move to Mexico and brought the Vienna lager with them. And that kind of built that, that style of beer. So the Vienna malt's going to have a little more sweetness to it, a touch of doughiness to it. Very, very different than what we're drinking in front of us. But then it just started to evolve as people started to use corn because that was, you know, such a plentiful product in Mexico. They right. started using corn. They had their, they had they had cultured and propagated their own style of yeast in Mexico. And so that's kind of what created. And over the years, it just kind of slowly moved into this light corn-based lager. Well, this is really tasty, actually. To, to be honest, I wasn't expecting to like this one that much. Mm -hmm. It's just clean, crisp, and easy drinking. There's nothing, there's no bad flavors in there. Sometimes when I think of the mass-produced big beers, I, I I have this thought of there's one like funky flavor I don't love in it, and I'm not getting that in this beer. It's just, it just tastes like a simple lager to me. Well, I wouldn't be shocked if Tecate has high fructose corn syrup in it, but like a lot of... A lot of domestic lagers in America, your Bud Lights, your Miller Lights, your Coors Lights, things like that, have a lot of high fructose corn syrup, and they use flaked rice to just keep things super light, low flavor profile. You don't get any kind of crazy esters or anything like that. But I think for the most part, a lot of what we're seeing now in craft brewery, craft brews, is they're using some Pilsner malt. Some do use a little touch of Vienna malt, but a lot of them are using like flaked corn and stuff like that to give it that crisp low body and like i said just kind of get rid of any sort of outside lagering flavors like yesterday i was at trap door in vancouver and they had a check pills up there with uh, whole melon hops which are whole melon is just a really cool kind of fruity estery hop that i that i enjoy and that lager was way over the top hmm. in uh, the fruit now i kind of liked it on a hot day i enjoyed it but definitely kind of varies away from the check pilsner style that that would normally have i think if you were a diehard chuck pilsner drinker it might throw you off but for the what the beer was i enjoyed it so i think the the mexican lager is basically trying to get rid of any of that kind of idea and just be bright and crisp and refreshing is are we going to start seeing this type of beer come out more often or is it just the timing with the cinco de mayo and and that kind of stuff that kind of allows us to try three different local craft brew mexican lagers or is it because we're seeing more lagers this year, is it becoming more popular, do you think? I, I think there's a little column A, column B. I, it's funny. I, I'm really glad we're doing this style right now because it's something I've noticed uh, on the streets, whether it's in package or on draft. Is I saw this with like Schwarzbeers, too, like three months ago, two months ago. It's almost like everybody got together secretly and was like, hey, I'm making a Mexican lager. You should, too. Hey, good call. I'm going to do that too. And it's like all of a sudden everybody was just pumping out Schwartz beers. And now fast forward into May. I don't know if it necessarily has anything to do with Cinco de Mayo. It might, but it's also kind of like the birth of the summer. You know, if you're, if you live here in, in the greater Portland area, listening to this podcast, you've seen the weather we've had over the last few days. So it kind of fits in with that, but I've seen, you know, I've seen Freem's Mexican lager out. I've seen Chuckanut's Mexican lager out. These three in front of us. I'm sure Wayfinder's not far behind on a Mexican lager. And so it's it's almost like this is, 
if we break down the logger being trendy right now, this is the specific type of logger that is trendy right now. Cool. Well, I enjoyed the Tecate, actually, surprisingly. It's it's just an easy drinking beer. There's no bad flavors in it. I just took a sip and went, that makes sense. That, to me, is a Mexican lager. Yep. Where, it's what I would get from a restaurant. Where do you want to go next? We can go Ex Novo. We can go Grains. I got the Rubens. We tried it. If you listen to our, um, what do we call it? The tasting the room. The tasting room. If you listen to the tasting room episode, we did go into Mexican lager, the, the Rubens Mexican lager. So maybe we'll save that and only open it if we need more beer. So would you like to go Ex Novo or Grains? Let's go Ex Novo. I saw Ex Novo on the shelf the other day. I uh, I decided because I had to... I had to stop at, uh, at, at a place to get my wife some food on Friday. She wasn't feeling super well, and when she gets a little like stuffy, she likes to have really spicy pad thai to help clear herself out. Mm-hmm. So I took a different way home, and I drove past John's Marketplace, and I went, I'm going to go ahead and splurge and get some beer for the weekend that I don't normally get to get. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't opened it yet, but I got the Black Butte 27, Ooh. which looks very intriguing, which we'll talk about in next week's episode when I do drink it today, actually. Um, so... I got that, and I saw this beer on their new releases, but also on a lot of the the staff picks. So I went, "Oh, I bet you Patrick's going to get this for the podcast this weekend." Here it is. Well, this beer, this has been a beer that Ex Novo has made for a while. I don't think they package it year round, so that it must be a new batch that's out or something right right now. But I would say, yeah, this beer, Elliot, and uh, Cactus wins the lottery. Those three are like the beers and dynamic duo. Rest in peace. I haven't seen that beer in a while. Um, those three are kind of the staple Ex Novo package that I see. And now Pearl Haggard's out and Marion Berry's is out. But I've seen this one for a while. I can't remember if I've had this. Well, take a sip. I'm curious to see what you think because after having the Tecate, this is just a slightly more flavorful, maybe more corny, not not in a negative way, but using more corn than the Tecate, it's the same beer, but just a little bit more flavorful. Yeah, I would agree. I'm getting a lot more malt profile. Mm, okay. And I think that's probably going to bring us a little closer. I think that's one thing that's 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 probably kind of fun is, depending on which brewery you are. It is breadier. Yeah, depending on which brewery you are, you're, pro- you are, you're probably wondering, you know, should we do the, the Tecate style? Or should we load a little Vienna malt in this to kind of give more of a throwback traditional style? And I'll, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, most of them tend to be more like the Tecate style. If I remember correctly, the Rubens is similar to the Tecate, but, you know, being craft, it's always going to have a little more full body, a little more kind of action going on, for right. lack of better terms. Um, it'll be interesting when we open the grains. But this this definitely has a little more malt character to it, and that's probably the, you know, the throwback homage. How much of this style of beer do you consider related to the food too because i said yesterday i went to din tai fung yesterday and uh there they had a chuckanut din tai fung lager oh wow made specifically for the restaurant and it paired with the dim sum perfectly well chuckanut right i saw it and i went it's not a beer i would normally get and i was like yeah, i gotta get i'm here yeah i have to get this yeah. and i like chuckanut so i got it and um it paired beautifully with the food and i think that's the point and it was an asian style lager obviously mm-hmm. Do you think this type of beer pairs well with Mexican food, in your opinion? Or is it just because it's the style that was made in Mexico that we just kind of put two and two together? Well, I think, 
That's that's a really cool question, and I I talk about this sometimes just in like my own personal life and head thoughts, shower thoughts, things like that. By the is, way, that could be another episode: food pairing with beer. Oh, that'd be great. Um, one thing that I, one thing that I've always noticed with the Mexican lager style and like uh, the whether it's Chinese, Japanese, or Korean style beers, is they pair really, really well with spicy food. And I think a lot of that has to do with the crispness, um, the corn and or the rice that you get in a lot of the Asian craft beers. Uh, That it's something about like Mexican food and a lot of different Asian type foods, you know, tend to have spice to them. They lend themselves very nicely to spice them. There's something about these beers that go very, very well with that. And I think in this town where we are, where food is is has become such a high priority that we're looking for the most kind of flavor explosion on our palates, and these beers are helping accentuate that, but also giving you a little reprieve. Right. Like I like my food spicy, but I don't like my mouth burning. But I really, but sometimes to get that good spice flavor, you got to kind of burn a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And these beers, whether it's these Mexican lagers in front of us, or you know, uh, a Singha or a Sapporo or things like that, some of those Asian varieties, uh, they just pair really well with food. And I think those are types of food that have such bold flavors that you don't want to have a beer taking away from those flavors. Like, would you want to drink uh, like a milk stout while eating dim sum? No, Probably not, not no. because it's heavy or dark or anything like that, but because that roastiness, that that milky flavor, that chocolatey flavor is going to probably take away from that. To where these, I think, are meant to be a little more baseline to let let that let those flavors accentuate a little more. Well, and then you'll be proud of this, but since we started this podcast, I've ordered lagers and and stuff like that more at mm. restaurants, and I have found that I tend to enjoy. Although sometimes the dark beer will, will go really well with a, a meaty burger or mm. something heavy. The dark beer will pair with it well. I will often enjoy the pairing of the lighter beer with whatever food I do choose to get because it, it just complements it better. I think, it, it doesn't compete for flavor. It complements the flavor. And I, th- I think that's really important. I think that's, I think that's spot on. I think, it'd be really hard. I think it's really difficult to find the right kind of like entrees. You know, non non appetizers, but entrees that you would pair a, an IPA, an amber, a red, a stout. I think burger, something heavy like that, is is kind of a good idea for or something like a mac like and that. cheese or something. Yeah, yeah. But I think for most for most things, you know, you want an IPA with tacos. Not really. I kind of want this ex novo Mexican lager. This is really good, by the way. I just I just finished my little quarter glass that I poured, but that is. Now that I've had multiple sips of it, I like that better than the Tecate. I see where it it borrows the influence from mm-hmm. but i like the breadiness that's in there a lot I mean, you also got to remember this tecate costs like two dollars a can to where this ex novo is like four dollars no i know but it's still i compared it in the beginning and i was like mm-hmm. this is basically that but a little bit more craft beer i like it more as i'm having more sips of it i'm realizing the depth is there and i like the breadiness that, that kind of sits on the back end of the palate so yeah i'm enjoying it i also do kind of wonder like just kind of spitballing here i do kind of wonder though how much the branding, how much the name Mexican Lager really helps this style? Probably a lot. Because you, because like I was saying earlier, thinking about sunshine and and on a beach and, you know, hanging out with some friends. And like I said, eating tacos and, you know, just kind of doing your thing that, oh, of course I want a Mexican Lager, but wouldn't a Hellas Lager do the same for you? I mean, all sorts of light beers would do the same for you, right? Yeah, yeah. So I wonder, I do think this style... Uh, I don't want to say novelty by any means because I don't want to take away from, you know, the the great aspects of this style. 
But I do think it, it's helping it a little bit by just kind of saying, of course, Rubens could put out this beer and just say, light domestic lager. And you'd be like, ah, oh, this beer is really good. You say Mexican lager and put a little cool kind of pinata themed design on it, and then bam, bam, thank you, ma'am. I also think too, it's it, it's a it's a food that people like a lot. People mm-hmm. love going to Mexican restaurants, and well, especially in America. I mean, yes, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I in in researching some of this uh, Mexican lager stuff, that Vienna lager was brought into you know what is now you know northern Mexico and Texas. So it's like that's kind of where this stuff was birthed. And even though those beers are kind of different than what we have in front of us, they eventually still evolve. And that cuisine is going to be there in that kind of region. I've always heard that for Americans, it's Mexican and Chinese food. And for people in Britain, it's Indian food. Oh, that doesn't shock me. They eat Indian food like we eat Chinese food. That's awesome. And Mexican food. I don't love Indian food, so it's not my... When I hear that, I go, oh, well, okay. Oh, I love Indian food. I, I, there are things that I like in Indian food, but there's certain flavors that I can't get past for some reason. It yeah. might be the cu- the cumin or the curry yeah. or something. It's yeah. strong flavors. It's strong curry flavors. I like naan, though. Naan, oh, yeah, yeah. Naan is good. Uh, all right, let's move on to the last beer. Oh, right, right, right. finish that sip of yours there. Um, this is the Ex Novo Mexican-style lager. And now I'm opening the Grains of Wrath. Oh, sorry, yes. Sin Fronteras. Uh, let's see. Mexican lager, 4.5, crisp, light, lime zest. Uh, I don't think there's... I've had this before. I don't think there's lime zest in it, but I think those are just kind of tasting notes. Uh, but once again, grains of wrath. 12-ounce can. I think uh, this this might be outside of the Wrath of Chuck, which was the collab with uh, Chuck and Nut. This might be the only 12-ounce can I've seen from grains of wrath. Well, we and I was a- having a fun conversation with a buddy the other day. It was like, we were like, 12-ounce cans? Well, for the lager, it's perfect. Well, but everything they do is... 16 ounce cans yeah. they were like yeah but those are ipas and we were started thinking if grains of wrath wants to do ipas and 16 ounce tall boys and loggers and 12 ounce cans then all is right in the world why I'd do be you, very happy why do that. you like this size can better then for a lager yeah because i can drink it faster and it won't get warm mm, I see. as quick i got you. and it fits like a koozie you know i feel like light beer you like on the river you know especially with this weather we've been having you just Throw it in, throw it into a koozie and sip on it to where a tall boy is going to, it's just going to warm up quicker. That's probably why I like it. Well, wow. This beer is actually really different than the first two that we had. I do taste the lime immediately, almost immediately. Maybe there is lime zest. I don't know for sure. Um, The smell is very different. The back end is very different. Uh, And you do get some lime in there. This is my favorite of the three. I think this has the most depth and maybe... Maybe I'm slightly biased because we've had so much good Grains of Wrath beer since we started this podcast. God, they're great. I love you, Mike, and Owen, and all you guys out there. They're so good. I need to go back, too. I went. I want to go back for their full menu. I went when apparently it was their one-year anniversary. I didn't even know. Oh, right, yeah. And they had a limited menu. Remember, up. we talked about this. We just missed each other for like an hour and a half. I know. Um, and I was talking to Mike when I was there, and, and he was like, oh, you got to come back for our full menu. I was like, yes, please, because there was one burger on the menu, and I wanted to try one mm-hmm. of their many that I saw online. Uh, this, this is crazy. This is different, man. The smell is different. You get the lime zest. It almost, I mean, this might sound stupid. It almost smells like tortillas a little bit. There's mm. a, it might be the corn, but there's a little something in there that reminds me of tacos. I think this has the most corn flavor of all of them. Yes. Like maybe, maybe Mike decided to make that a prominent flavor. This one might be the one I want to pair with food the most. I agree. Because you get the lime, mm-hmm. and you get that corn, 
and, and, it's, and it's crisp. It's actually it's heavier than the first two that we had for sure. There's much more of a a staying power in your palate where you're like, oh, I'm drinking a beer versus the first two were like, I can chug this real quick. Well, this it, one there's a little bit more of a enjoying slow sip element to it. It's funny that you mentioned the lime and this just came to my head right now. So I started thinking internally, you know, wait, why do we lime Mexican lagers? Why do we do this? Why do we need fruit in our beer? Is it thing. because it pairs with the food? And that's what it's got to be. I mean, think about how much Mexican food you eat, Mexican cuisine you eat, whether it's taco. I had two fish tacos yesterday, and what's on the plate? Lime. Yep. That you drizzle over because it's meant to accentuate and open up some more flavors. So, of course, of course we put lime in a Mexican beer, in Mexican lager. I don't necessarily do it all the time, but if Mike's going to make a beer, and again, I don't know if he did or didn't, but if there is a touch of lime zest in this, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And and if you didn't and you were just able to, you, get that flavor. able to get that flavor out or you're pulling a fast one and we're just placebo effecting over here, either way, Dude, it's I working. I taste it. Yeah. I taste it. I don't know. I I can't imagine that's placebo because I taste lime in this beer at the forefront. That first sip, it's like, whoa, hey, there's zest. And zesty. Zesty. And I think, I think. I hope we see this style of beer throughout the entire summer, you know, because I understand if you don't want to make a Mexican lager at Christmas time, that's fine. But one thing, this might be one of the most ultimate approachable bridge styles for a non-craft beer drinker. It might be. Now that I've had these, I'm kind of agreeing because you know I think it's I've, so light, but you can get depth of flavor from yeah, the craft beer version of it. I like this Ex Novo one a lot. I think I think it has really great malt characteristics, and as a, a staunch craft beer drinker, I appreciate that a lot. The first step, though, throw this grains of wrath, and knowing what this Mexican lager from Rubens tastes like, throw that in front of somebody as well. They're gonna. The only thing they're gonna say, I think, is like it's a, just a little bigger body than the Tecate. It's heavier than I like. Heavier than like I that. like. Well, yeah, might be the answer, but they're over four percent. This Tecate is probably like three something. If I can find it, I don't even know if they have to write it on this. And if they do, <laughs> it's like, oh, Tecate is four point five percent. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That seems like a lot for a. Domestic quote unquote beer. beer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, throw this grains of wrath. Throw this Mexican lager in hell. Throw the most interesting lager in the world, which is an excellent name by Ex Novo, by the way. Yep. Throw these in somebody's face on a hot summer day while you're making tacos outside. Don't even tell them what it is. Just crack it and pour it into a glass and say, hey, man, have a beer. They might like it. Any final thoughts before we move on to our beer of the week? Anything that you had holstered you want to bring up about the Mexican style lager? Nope, nope, that was kind of it. I liked uh, the play on words you did there. Holstered Mexican lager. Makes me think of like a Clint Eastwood Western. That was not intentional, by the way, but thank you. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. I just poured the rest of the grains of wrath into my glass because I thought it was that good. You are more than welcome to have that. I am very, very happy about this. Ooh, now I want to watch Clint Eastwood Westerns. You ever seen that trilogy? No. Fistful I'm, of dollars for a few dollars more, the I, good, the bad, and the ugly? I haven't. I think I might have seen some of the good, the bad, and the ugly. My uncle... That's the third if, one in the series. If you want to get a little deep about this. My, it's like uh, watching Return of the Jedi. Never seen A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back. Uh, my uncle had cancer. I like how you just glossed over that. Well, because I, I have a serious story for it. Because like, I get it, but I'm not a, I never really watch Westerns. It's not my thing. But my uncle had cancer, and he was really big into Westerns. And uh, he's still alive. He beat it, thankfully. Yeah, um, no, you did. But it was throat cancer, and... For some reason, the timing worked out, and he needed someone to keep him company while he was having chemo, and I went with him to the hospital when he was having chemo, 
and he loved westerns. Mm -hmm. So they had his little TV next to his little sitting chair area, and he had westerns on, and I think it was The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly that I was watching when I was there with him. I don't really remember a lot of it because I was talking mm -hmm. to him, but keeping him company. But yeah, that's my one memory of that movie. Yeah. You should watch those movies. They're great. And drink Mexican lagers while you're doing it. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> that sounds so fun. In fact, I want someone to put up like a giant sheet and a projector in a park and we can watch that trilogy and I'll bring Mexican lagers. Man, this Grains Wrath beer is really good. Dude, those guys, are they make good beer. Thank you, Mike Hunsaker. God, we lo this podcast loves Grains of Wrath. Yes. Yes, yes we do. <laughs> Yes, we do. We might need to actually do a takeover because we've been there for the for the oh, episode. That's true. Yeah, we but haven't we done didn't a takeover there. Do a takeover. Have some food. Try more than one or two. We only had one or two beers when we did the episode there because we, we were, were just, just interviewing IPAs. Mike. Yeah, yeah, we were just doing West Coast IPAs. Yeah, that's the second episode. And by the way, we're on episode what forty four now. Forty three. I think forty three, forty four, and that's episode number two. And that's still to this day one of my favorites. And we barely knew what we were doing at that time too. <laughs> I mean, we still don't know what we're doing it's now because Mike was great. Yeah, Mike's that's a great why. guest, yeah. We should we should do an on-location there. That's family over we there. We should do that. Uh, anyway, coming up next, we will change it up with our beer of the week. I think what I pull out of the bag behind me is going to surprise Patrick quite a bit. You say this every time, and it usually does. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Beer of the Week time here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Patrick saw the can and went, oh, this place. And then we read the can and realized that unintentionally, and this, trust me, was unintentional, it works perfectly for us. Yeah. This, actually, without knowing it, you did it. This is Public Coast Brewing, which for those who don't know is in Cannon Beach. And the Getting beer a lot of love. What? This brewery's getting a lot of love. Good. I, I've been, and I didn't remember exactly how I loved it. I knew I enjoyed it, but I didn't remember the beers. Um, so I was like, let me get this, because I want to test again the beer. And it's called La Noche de Cabra, traditional Bach-style beer. But if you read the can, it is inspired by Mexico's tradition of Noche Buena Celebration lagers. So without knowing it, I got us a Mexican-inspired beer, although it's a Bach, um, from Public Coast in Cannon Beach. Yeah, uh, Noche Buena is basically like uh, uh, the the term they use for good night, but it refers to Christmas Eve. Gotcha, gotcha. So I figured this is not going to be like the beers we're having now. It's a box, so it's different. And I wanted to give Public Coast some love because it's a place. Cannon Beach is my favorite place in the coast, and uh, they opened up I think fairly recently, a couple years ago. So, uh, so yeah. Let's give it a let's give it a trizies. It says we think that every dark and multi sip will put you in a festive spirit, no matter what time of year. Happy it's Tuesday to you. I don't know what that means. Fun uh, fact: I heard it must be a Wednesday. <laughs> Fun. Oh, oh, it is a Wednesday. Not really, but it always is. Fun fact: Bach comes from German word for goat or cabra in Spanish. We like the little the alliteration because we are just that nerdy. <laughs> All right, we'll pop it and pour it. Let's go. I'm just really glad. I'm going to totally sidetrack us right now, but I'm really glad when you said I'd be surprised. Part of me was like, oh, no, I bet you Mike got an IPA. So I am now on day four of no IPA. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm Are just, you doing this intentionally? I'm doing this intentionally. Okay. I'm trying to cleanse my palate of IPAs so that I can go back and start enjoying them again. 
Wait, so you're not enjoying them now? Well, I'm just worried that I drink so many IPAs and, you know, I drink so many IPAs from, you know, the the, the brewery that I work for, which I love. I love our IPAs. I think I think the whole crew does a great job with them. But I'm, like, starting to drink other people's IPAs. I'm like, oh, I like this, but I'm not really, like, tasting different things. They're all starting to taste the same, and I'm starting to hate a lot of IPAs. And it's like, that's my favorite style, so I don't want to become this Debbie Downer, negative Nancy kind of guy. So I'm just like, you know what? I don't – I'm not going to drink an IPA. I'm just going to drink craft lagers. And I had – I uh, had some Pilsners and a Maybach at Migration the other day, and I was happy. And yesterday, I drank lagers at Trapdoor and some other places. So this, when you go back to the IPA, it's going to hit you in a good way again. That's You're going to be hoping. like, this isn't so bad after all. That's what I'm hoping. The scary... Unless you get tricked by a stupid hazy again. <laughs> the thing is, is like, I want an IPA right now so bad. Like, I am like crackhead status right now. Just like itching, like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. We had them on Wednesday. No, I opened my fridge this morning to make some breakfast, and there was just like 22s of What Rough Beast and Breakside IPA and some Stay West 12-ounce bottles. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> I almost took them out of my fridge and drove them to my mom's and dropped them off there. I was like, you guys have these. So how long are you trying to hold off? I don't know. I don't know. All right. It's a test. Yeah. It's a test of wills. Yeah. Maybe That's- until my blonde hair grows back. Whoa. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. That could be a while. Nice. Um, so I just took my first sip, and uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'll level with you guys. I believe the only Bach I've ever had is Shiner Bach, because my buddy, my best friend growing up, his sister is in the Air Force, and she was stationed in Austin. Okay. And anytime he would go there to visit her, he'd bring back Shiner Bach. Got to be like a top five beer in Texas. Yes, if not the number one. If beer not in Texas. number one. And for me. Mr. Old Blue Moon is the best beer I've ever had, or Yingling, growing up. Yingling, biggest craft brewery in America. Yeah. Shiner Bach was amazing. Yeah, blew your mind. It blew my mind. And I don't think I've actually had one outside of that because it's not a style I actually see done that often anymore from breweries. So maybe I'm wrong and I just don't see it on, on the tap list, but... You're forgetting. Am I forgetting? Yep. What am I forgetting? It's technically a Maybach, but there is a very, very popular Bach in this town. Ah, yes, the Dead Guy Ale from Rogue. The Dead Guy Ale We did do that in our OG beer episode, I believe episode 14. Look at that memory. Damn. Um, (laughs) I ain't got that memory. (laughs) Hey, you had West Coast IPA was episode number two. That's easy. That's single digit (laughs) number two. What was number three? No idea. Um, I am the one who posts them, though, so I have a little bit more of a memory of that. So, okay, I've had two, although it's still hard to call that a Bach because I don't think of the dead guy as a Bach ale when you think of it. I know, because they marketed it towards IPA drinkers. Um, Took my first sip. You get a nice little hint of sweetness right off the bat. And it's it's unique. There's nothing really like the Bach style, in my opinion. I'm trying to think of... Uh, maybe it's, I know this is Belgian versus German, but maybe you get a little bit of like that double. There's a sweetness, yeah. which I brought a double in a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. There's a sweetness to it and a maltiness to it that kind of is similar to that, but there's not really much that compares with the style of beer. Yeah, the box nice with the light, with the light lager body. Um, gosh, I wish this was wintertime. I'm looking at the can date and it was canned in March, so it's fresh. So I'm just kind of like wondering, like, why are we making a Maybach in March? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I like it. You I said like that it. you said that this brewery is getting a lot of plaudits. Mm-hmm. I this I think this might be the first beer I've had from them. Uh, but I have uh, definitely. I knew, I knew you hadn't been here. I knew it. Yeah, I hadn't been there. I haven't been there. Maybe I'll go there next weekend or something. 
Um, I haven't been to this brewery, but I keep hearing people saying that they make good stuff. Uh, I'm surprised that the first thing I have from them is a, is a Bach, because that I would not walk into and look at a list and be like, hmm, I'll have the Bach right. for my first beer. But they do can, and I've seen their cans all over the place. The branding is tight. It is really good. And I, I've, I've seen their- Like their, very nice and- whew, I've seen their cans clean. everywhere, and they make IPAs and lagers that they sell more mass than this. This says- special release on the side mm -hmm. of it so that was another reason why i chose it um but even if you can't get to Cannon beach to go here you can still try it from the supermarket yeah and it'll still be good it, uh, assuming everyone's right about it and this is this is my second time having their beer so for me it's a reawakening of oh that's right this place is actually really good well, yeah and you were kind of talking about when you had it you weren't when you were there you weren't quite sure because you know i just beer drinking abilities were different back then they were different it was a couple of years ago and i don't remember how i reacted to it um, for those of you who are familiar with Cannon Beach and maybe don't know where this is, um, Hemlock Street is the main street through Cannon Beach. And depending on where you come in off of uh, 101, if you come in near the Pelican, the new Pelican that's open there, it's on the complete other side of town. Okay. If you come in on Ecola State Park, once you enter town, there's like a couple, you leave the park area and you get into the, the shops, it's right there. So unlike pelican it's actually close to the beach um it's about the same distance i would say oh, okay because this is close to if you know cannon beach there's that little corner outcropping with this whale sculpture and you can see mm -hmm. the beach from there it's kind of near there but pelican's not far from the beach either you just walk down that street past the hotel and you're there yeah I so suppose. it's kind of close um that's where it is if you've never seen it before it used to be something called like the lumberjack or the lumber yard and they bought that restaurant and they put this brewery in, which I didn't know when I first went. Um, and it's a go up and order at the bar, food and everything, and they'll bring mm -hmm. it to you with a little. You put a little sign on your table. I like counter service. So that's how it is. And uh, I'll be going back there this summer. So I will definitely try it again with my more advanced palate and uh, let you guys know what I think about the other beers there. But so far, I'm enjoying this box. It's it's smooth. It's sweet. It's malty, but it's not overly cloyingly sweet. I enjoy it. It's six point eight percent. I can kind of taste the booze a touch. If I were like super nitpicking this beer, that'd be the only thing. But I could see that. I like the body. I like the finish. I mean, box are a little. They're a little too sweet for me personally. But that's nothing to take away from the actual style. This is a very solid beer. This is a very solid beer. Well, and it only costs you two twenty. Yeah. Two dollars. Yep. That's dope, dude. For a small brewery like that to be able to keep price down on stuff, that's awesome. Well, and this is the little tiny can too, the little twelve ouncer. So. Um, I like how I say tiny can when it's actually basically a pint. Well, you're a giant. True. It does fit in my hand quite nicely. It doesn't for me. I'm like dainty. <laughs> Pinky's up. Pinky's out. SpongeBob! Pinky! All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Thank God. <laughs> Beer of the week is Public Coast La Noche de Cabra, traditional box style. If you have not gone to Cannon Beach in a while, or if you haven't, didn't know this existed at the other end of town, give it a try. Uh... There's a bunch of coast breweries that are starting to kind of pop I'm seeing on shelves, mm -hmm. and I'm curious to see if those continue to succeed because it's a great tourist location in the summer, but nobody goes to the coast in the winter. What? I definitely go to Astoria all the time in like Astoria November. Astoria is not the coast. Astoria is also the same no matter what month of the year it is. <laughs> Raining and sad and miserable, and I love that it. That is true. I absolutely I don't love count it. Astoria. Pacific Northwest, and it... At its finest. I don't count Astoria as the coast because it's on the river. 
But no, but you can still get to the coasts right there. I know. Well, I'm, I'm just I don't count it because I also have gone multiple times to that in the winter. But it's just different, right? If you go to Canada Beach, you're going for the beach. Fair. And if you're on the beach when it's pouring out, you, you're not happy. I'm more of a Pacific City guy myself. Okay. I actually haven't been there before. Yeah, the original Pelicans there. I might go there when I go to Cannon Beach. We might drive down and uh, and te- take in the original Pelicans. There's a giant rock, and you can climb the dune. Go out to the point. Yeah. You got to hop a fence, and if you fall and die, you can't sue anyone because it's illegal to go out there, but everyone goes out there. It's super <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, uh, we might go down there. That was the thought that my wife and I had. Like, If we're going to go to Cannon Beach for a couple of days, there's only so much to do in Cannon Beach. Yeah. You, know, you can walk around and go to shops and stuff, but... Who really wants to shop? You can head south to Newport. I don't know if I want to go that far. I might go to Pacific City for one day. PC's dope. And then Astoria for a day. And then like, Cannon Beach for a day. I like PC a lot. I always say Astoria. I know it's Astoria. Astoria. It sounds weird to me. Yeah, Astoria. Astoria. It's just well, I don't say Astoria. Yeah, Astoria. I say Astoria. Well, that's Astoria. what I say. Astoria. Well, now I got you thinking well, weird. God, right? I hate this. <laughs> Astoria. Astoria. Um... Did we? I think we had an idea for what we were going to do for next week's podcast, didn't we? I don't remember what it was now, but... You think I remembered? I was hoping. I was bringing this up, hoping that you remembered. Nope. Well, next week, guess what? Guess what? We're going to have a podcast about beer for you in some way, shape, or form. We'll figure it out. Wherever you find us, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate it wherever it is, and let us know on social media what you're drinking. On Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter for me and Patrick's at PDiddy085 on Instagram. Apologies if you're having issues getting these podcasts. Hopefully it's fixed by the time this one comes out. And our previous one at Lucky Lab is also up correctly. If not, there's not much we can do. We're just going to keep putting them out there for you and sharing them and hope that you find them that way. And it'll get fixed eventually because, well, it has to. It has to. It has to. I believe it. Anyway, see you next week, guys. Deuces, Barcelona. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.